All right. Or where'd my Bible go? I'm going to have to use a pew Bible because my Bible's missing. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 2. And why Psalm 2 as we're talking and continuing our conversation about knowledge, the knowledge of God, God being omniscient, knowing all things, past, present, and future. And why is that important? It's important because if that's not true, we have no hope. Uh, we talked about the lie, the error, um, the apostasy of open theism where they say God cannot know because if God knows what will be, he knows what men will choose to do, and if he knows what men choose to do, they are not free in the sense of being having libertarian freedom, uh, in the sense of having the ability to make free choices that are uncaused. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's libertarian freedom. Now, we believe in freedom. We believe in creaturely freedom. We believe that God created us. He created our parameters, and we are free to choose those things within those parameters, and we are accountable to him. That's free moral agency. Uh, there are things that we ought to do, and, there are thing, and we will be held accountable for those things. But he has set our boundaries. We are, our will is not unbounded uh, without border at all. Uh, so that is, but libertarian freedom is the single point that people want to hold to say that God cannot know what will be. He may have perfect knowledge of the present, perfect knowledge of the past, uh, but he cannot know what will be or else we, the creatures, are not all these little gods running around that we want us to be. Um, so we want to exalt the creature, and at the expense we must say that God is less than what the scriptures declare him to be. Now, once you go down that route, you don't have hope. And why I'm turning to Psalm 2 to bring this out is he talks about what we presently see in the very first couple verses. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from heaven. He that sits in the heaven shall laugh. Why? Because his plans are going to overrule theirs. Because he's God. He says, yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now turn to Psalm 110. The most often quoted 
scripture in the New Testament is Psalm 110. It is quoted more than any other text uh, when we come to the New Testament scriptures. What does he say in Psalm 110? He says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Amen? That's a sure end. And he sovereignly is going to bring us to that point. Regardless of what we believe about libertarian freedom, God knows where history is headed. Now, Psalm 139 tells us simply that God knows all things. He knows what words are going to come out of my mouth before they come out. He wrote my members in a book before he ever fashioned them in the womb. He knew me, and he knows you, and he knows everything about you. So we've been looking at these challenges, and we saw that there is no scriptural warrant to hold to any kind of open theism. And the only warrant, the only only reason people hold to it is because they want to elevate the creature with, with this idea of libertarian freedom, uncaused actions, uh, will, un, uh, a will that is uncaused, unfettered by anything. Uh, and that's a philosophical point, and there are many Christian philo- philosophers that are trying to argue from a point of libertarian freedom, and I, I, I don't think it's wise So we're going to look at some of that today because there is another point that we have to bring up about God's knowledge. God does not only know what what is, God knows what is possible. Turn to Jeremiah 26. Jeremiah 26, God knows what is possible. And it says here in Jeremiah 26, verse 3, If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. This idea that, that, um, that it may be they will listen to you. It might be. It's possible that they will listen. He knows what might be. Not just what is, And what will be actualized in the future, he knows what might be as well. And and there are those that will look at these texts and say, well, you see here, God knows the contingencies. And they will build another idea of God's knowledge on top of this to try to save libertarian freedom. And I want to get into that, what's called middle knowledge. Uh or Molinism. So he knows what can happen, though. That's, that's the truth of the scriptures. He knows what can happen, what is possible to happen. A base, why does he know what can happen? Why does, he know ever, why does he know what Thomas is capable of doing in given situations? Because he knows Thomas, because he created Thomas. And he created all of his boundaries, and, and, he, and he knows all about them, and he knows all the possible preventers, all the possible abilities of Thomas, and he knows what Thomas might do in any given circumstance. Why? Because he's God. 
That's simple enough. We don't have to create any new philosophies of knowledge or anything else like that to account for the fact that God knows what might be. He, he knows every contingency. Why? Because he created everything, and he knows its boundaries, and he knows what could happen within those boundaries, and he knows what he decreed to happen, what will be actual. So he knows every physical possibility, every economic policy, uh, possibility, every politically Everything that is politically possible, said John Frame here as we're, as we're jumping off of his systematic theology in our study here. Even though they are impossible from the standpoint of his decree, he knows they could be. And there are several instances in the scripture that we're going to get into that talk about that. God's knowledge, uh, this is sometimes called... God's knowledge of what is possible is some called, sometimes called his necessary knowledge by, by theologians. He necessarily knows or he naturally knows natural knowledge, knowledge of... Uh, he has this knowledge and that knowledge is, encompasses all possibilities. He naturally knows because he's the Lord over all things. As opposed to free knowledge... Which means that, uh, which we'll get into here in a second, but free knowledge is that idea that he knows what he freely chose to do and to work among us, what he foreordained to happen. That gets into the realm of what he, he freely chose. He knows what he actuated, but he has natural knowledge or necessary knowledge of how could things could have been different? Now, I'm leading somewhere here eventually, and I scribbled something here. But the fact that the fact that our God encompasses all these things can be seen, and just just uh, as we look at the world, can we imagine a world where gravity was just a little bit stronger or a little bit weaker, <laughs> and I didn't weigh so much? <laughs> Right When I stepped on the scale this morning, I was like, ah, no good. Uh, can I imagine that maybe gravity would give a little bit on it? Could I imagine that gravity would have a different value or electric magnet, ma magnetism would have a different value than it does or, or, uh, or the properties of water or the properties of this or that? Um, yeah, those things could have been set by God to different values. But they weren't. Those are called contingencies. They didn't have to be the way they are. But God chose to create the world the way it is. That's, that's the difference between his free knowledge, his freely chosen, choosing to make everything the way it is, and his necessary knowledge that he knows that we couldn't live in a world where gravity was stronger <laughs> or, uh, or the property of water wasn't the way it was. Uh, so he, he made choices, and that's a difference in his knowledge. So, so I did, those are just concepts to get in here. So we have his natural knowledge. He knows everything that could be. And he has free knowledge. He knows what he chose because he's God. Uh, so we, we can try to come up with all kinds of analogies to that, um, 
the difference between the intellect and the sense perception and stuff like that. Like, like I know two plus two is four, um, uh, but I, I, that's a different kind of knowledge than it actually working out in the mathematics as I buy two apples and add two more apples to my cart. That becomes the difference between possible knowledge and actual knowledge or something to that, that extent. Uh, so I, I don't want to get into the generalities of, uh, or, or, or not the generalities, but the minutia of the philosophy of all this. But I want to introduce you to something different. I think they're using this board, so I may just have to verbally describe it. Yeah, they're using it. All right, so the Reformation happened, and the Reformation ended up being decisively Calvinistic. Now, I know that's a dirty word in some circles, but, uh, but, but Calvinism, for the discussion of this, is God knows because he foreordained. And that's the Calvinist idea. And the Reformation was um, challenged by the Roman Catholic Church. Particularly, there was this priest around the time of the, the rise of the Counter-Reformation named Molina, he was a Jesuit priest around in the 1500s, and he devised what is called, what became an idea called middle knowledge. See, the Reformation was built upon these ideas that we are radically lost, uh, totally depraved, and our will is in bondage. And that could not fly with Catholic ideology. So the Counter-Reformation specifically targeted this idea that God, or targeted this idea, not that God did not foreordain things, but they wanted to re-inject the idea that we have complete freedom, libertarian freedom. And as we saw with open theism, that's problematic when we start asserting that. So what's middle knowledge? Well, middle, middle knowledge upholds, and, and uh, the most notable person who holds the middle knowledge today as far as Christian apologist or, uh, is um, William Lane Craig. You may not have heard of him. I've read many of his books. I've even had a, uh, been very blessed by his books as he defends certain aspects of, of, um, of, of our Christian faith although he has gone somewhat off <laughs> on tangents on some very important things like Adam being a historical figure and things like that. Um, but William Lane Craig has teach, is teaching in the tradition of, of uh, Molina or Molinism and asserts that there is existence of this middle knowledge. So we saw that there's two different kinds of knowledge, right? There is God's natural knowledge where God knows everything that is possible. Now, and then there is his free knowledge, where he knows what he chose to be. And middle knowledge is in between those. Middle knowledge is, is, is this idea that there is this world of possible, uh, uh, there, there is this this containment of possible worlds that God could have created and and this has real existence and 
these various worlds are based upon all the possible free decisions, libertarian free decisions that people can make. And this, this exists and God came and God examined all these possible worlds. He did not cause these possible worlds. He did not create these possible worlds. They're just out there. They exist. And God comes and he examines this middle knowledge, knowledge that exists outside of him, and he chooses one of those possible worlds to create. Does that make sense? I know this is a difficult concept to talk about, but that's middle knowledge. That there is, that, that there is this natural knowledge of God, that he knows, what, knows all possible worlds. There is this free knowledge. He knows what he created uh, to be. And then there's this middle knowledge. This middle knowledge is that basis upon which he decided to create. But this middle knowledge is uncaused by him. It's just like floating out there. It's not created by God. It's not based upon the will of God. It's all created by the will of creatures that never existed because he didn't create them. I know that's weird. You're getting into some deep, deeper philosophical ideas, but that's middle knowledge. That there is this body of knowledge that exists independent of God, and God chooses to create from that knowledge. Do you all see any problems with that? Do you, do, does anybody see a problem with the idea that there is something that exists that God did not create? All right, so now you see... Yeah, so they are saying this middle knowledge exists. And it's not God and it's not caused by God. But God used it to decide to create you and me, this real world. So they are interjecting this independent body of knowledge that exists based on what? Based upon me deciding to get vanilla ice cream instead of chocolate or to help an old lady across the street instead of taking $20 out of her purse. <laughs> or all these free decisions that I make uncaused. They, because that idea exists, they have to insert that he wants to say, because, well, they say, William, people like William Lane Craig say they want to save the phenomenon of our libertarian freedom and therefore they posit the existence of a middle knowledge, a knowledge that exists independent of God. So open theism says, well, God is less than the scriptures say he is. This tries to say, well, God is God overall. He's, he, he knows all possible worlds, and he decided to create all possible worlds, but he did it from middle knowledge, something that exists outside of God. This is also devaluing God. It is saying that God is not God over everything that exists because middle knowledge exists. Now, there, I, I may not be doing a really great job at explaining what middle knowledge is, but I want, us to, want you to understand that there are a lot of people today that are calling themselves Molinists, and they hold to this view of middle knowledge. Why? Because they hold to a view of complete libertarian freedom of every creature for every human being, and therefore there must be middle knowledge. That is what they're trying to save, and they're not trying to... They're not trying to present to us the God of the Scriptures. Because the God of the Scriptures, there's nothing outside of Him. Before He, exi before he created what existed, 
Him. Yeah, just Him. Just God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And not anything outside of Him. When He created, He created because He freely chose to create. And He freely chose to actuate everything that is. And He freely chose to set all of His boundaries. Why? Because He's an all-wise God. And He did not need something independent of Him to do it. He was in need of nothing. And that is the very thing middle knowledge is ultimately uh, trying to deny. So what's the scripture warrant? Well, there's some places that they'll always go to to prove Molinism. And let's look at those, and we're just only going to spend a few minutes. I don't want to beat Molinism to death. We're only going to talk about it this week, and that's it. But uh, turn to uh, 1 Samuel 23. And what they do is they sneak things, uh, they sneak these preconceived ideas. I want, you to read, I want you to read this and see if you believe that this is teaching Molinism. We, we all have a grasp on what Molinism now is. And I'm telling you, it's a big movement now. Is to, is to say not, God is not sovereign over all things. Well, they'll still say God is sovereign. But God, there's this middle knowledge that exists, and God is not sovereign over that, at least. All right, so 1 Samuel 23, I'll get there eventually. I'm just staring weirdly and at chapter 17 instead and not even turning the page. Uh, let's read verse 7. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that, that has gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said, and said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, the servant hath, has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of... Here's where... Pay attention here. Will he, So he's talking to God and he asks, Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down... As thy servant hath heard, O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Now, so God tells us what will happen, but it's not what did happen. Then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. So Saul will come down. But we're going to find out he didn't. And the men will deliver you, but we're going to find out that they'll never have a chance. Why? Because verse 13. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David has escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. So he didn't go to Keilah. Saul did not go to Keilah. And the men of Keilah did not deliver David. But God said it would happen. If the circumstances were right. Now let me ask you this. 
Does that necessitate that you and I believe in middle knowledge? Or does it necessitate only that we believe that he's God and he knows all possibilities? Naturally, because he's God and he created us and he knows us and he knows everything about us and he knows what we would do in this circumstance and that circumstance because he wrote all of our members before they were ever fashioned and he knows us inside and out, down to the very hairs of our head. Is that natural knowledge or is that middle knowledge? It's natural knowledge. They, though, will insert middle knowledge into this. And they will say, the only way God could have known what was possible is if some kind of weird middle knowledge existed. They are reading into the text. So, that's not the only, that's not the only place. Go to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, here we have the words of Jesus Christ. Just a New Testament example of where they want to assert this existence of this middle knowledge without warrant from the scriptures. Holy as a philosophical concept in order to save not what God said he said he was in the scriptures, but in order to save what we believe ourselves to be. Free without anything to fetter us. That's what they're wanting to save philosophically. So here, Matthew 11, verse 20. Jesus says, well, let me go back. I can't, the pages are sticking together. Jesus says, Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. And what did he say? He says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the, if the mighty works were done, which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in the sackcloth and ashes. And he says something simpler about, uh, similar about uh, Sodom in verse 23. So he, said, he says, if, if the miracles that were done in you, Capernaum, had been done in Tyre, or if the miracles that were, were done in you, uh, and the signs were done in you had been done in Sodom. Sodom and Tyre would have, would have repented. Now this is where they assert that God knows. Well, this is where we assert and simply teach that God has natural knowledge. God knows what's, what the men of Sodom would have done. For whatever reasons, they would have stopped their wickedness. If... A, B, or C would have happened. That's natural knowledge. They want to assert this philosophical concept of middle knowledge, that there's this body of knowledge that exists and that's based solely upon the freedom of creatures, and God can only choose to create from that body of knowledge. So they are reading into the Scriptures a philosophical concept and trying to force it on the Scriptures. Um, so this is what, this, these are what we would call contrary to fact statements or conditions. And God knows them. God knows every subjunctive, every possibility. And it's not necessary for us to assert that there is something independent of God in order to account for it. And 
is the deeper you go into the rabbit hole of Molinism, which is all an attempt to say Calvinism is not true or, or foreknowledge is not true or, or so, sovereign, uh, that some, uh, it, it, it's, 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 all, it's all an attempt to do that. And you, you can take issues with certain <coughs> points of Calvinism, but this Molinism thing is, is, is uh, dangerous. It's dangerous to try to assert that there is anything that exists independent of God, that he's not Lord over. That's the bottom line. If it exists, he's Lord of it. Molinism says knowledge exists that he's not Lord over. And that's dangerous, and that's why Molinism is something to reject. And you'll see if you press it hard enough, they will say they will definitely say that that these this knowledge is not essential to God. He's not Lord over it. He's not sovereign over it, and he cannot be. Why? Because the creature alone is sovereign over it. I know this is just real hard concepts, but I and 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 we've we've gone really as far as as far as I want to go is as far as depth because I don't want to I don't want to just be just go into, uh, I, just, I just don't want to go into points that don't need to be made about this. Uh, just I want to sum up, it's so important to these folks, and many of them are good Christians, but they're, I, I don't want to go so far as claiming that Molinism is heresy as I would with open theism. But I, I want to say it is definitely error uh, to, to believe this about God. And it's all driven by this desire that our will is uncaused. There's nothing to fetter it. There's nothing to, bow, to bind it. Um, and it, create, it's, it says, in this little area, we are Lord and he's not. Now, what's the problems with this scripturally? Besides the ones that are just obvious, uh, the problems with this scripturally is that it doesn't solve anything. They want to rescue libertarian freedom, whatever that is, which which is an impossible concept to hold scripturally, in my opinion. All right, so they don't do that. Take Peter denying Christ three times. All right. What would they say about that? They would say that, one, that Peter denied Christ three times because of middle knowledge. Because God, before he created, before he actualizes, created this world in which is real, in which he exists, he created the world in which Pete, where, where Peter would freely choose to deny the Lord three times. The problem is, is once God created it, Peter denying Christ three times before the rooster crowed becomes just as necessary as if middle knowledge didn't exist. Why? Because God created the world where Peter denied him three times. So it doesn't solve any problems about man's will. It doesn't make man's will free because Peter, in the world that was actually created, had to deny Christ three times. See, it creates problems, and it doesn't solve the problems that it thinks it creates. What it does is it says, God is not as high as the Scripture say He is, because 
Scripture said he's Lord over everything that exists. And we say he's not Lord over this middle knowledge. That's the problem. And I hope I did a good job, or at least an adequate job, explaining what middle knowledge is. Uh, It's a heavier concept. It's not as easy to talk about as something like open theism. It's not... But um, it's very heavily philosophical, it's not scriptural, and we are better off just to hold to what is plainly true in the scriptures, that God knows all things because he foreordained all things. God does know all possibilities because he knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to choose to do in this circumstance, or if that circumstance was a little bit different, what that would have been. And... He naturally knows that because he's creator and Lord. And that's the problem with middle knowledge. Any questions about this? I'm going to finish a couple minutes early. Um, questions, complaints, or grievances? I know that was a heavier subject. Uh, how many have never heard of Molinism before? You've heard of it? All right. All right, so, so a couple of us have never heard of Molinism uh, which is just this idea of middle knowledge. Uh, hopefully you all see the problems with it, um, that there's just something that exists that was based upon us and our liberty instead of existing because God created it. Uh, that's, the, that's the greatest problem with this, uh, this concept. And, it th- and those that hold it really believe that it rescues this idea that men are free and God is still sovereign. They think that they are answering this problem and they're not answering it at all. They're just demoting God and saying there's something he's not Lord over, i.e. middle knowledge. All right. No questions about it? <laughs> I know it's, it's an uncomplicated stance. Uh, next week we're going to finish up uh, the, the omni- omniscience of God, his being all-knowing. I want to talk about God is all-wise. Talk about the wisdom of God. And then we're going to go to his power after that. So, Lord willing, uh, and the creek don't rise, we'll be... But he could still only do what God permitted him. God was in control of every free decision the devil made. Amen. And and there's nothing that and there's nothing that we believe that says we're not making free decisions. You all freely chose to come here (laughs) this morning, uh, bearing the storm and and everything else. Uh, There's nothing about God's natural knowledge that doesn't allow us to make free decisions within the boundaries God created. And that is where we're responsible. But our will has boundaries. There are things I cannot choose to do. I can dream them up in my head all day long. And I can have all the intents in my heart to do them, but I but it'll only happen if the Lord wills. <laughs> because I may choose out to go out that door and murder somebody. 
I'm not saying I'm going to or I want to. <laughs> but do you know what's going well, There are a hundred ways that God's going to stop me if, he's, if it's not his will for me to murder them. He will, his will will, his will governs everything. Uh, but, but that doesn't say that we're not freely making decisions. And we don't have to invent some philosophical concept of middle knowledge to allow us to make free decisions unless we believe in libertarianism. That's not the political party, the libertarian freedom, where we believe that our will never has causes, never has anything to limit it, ever. Unless we want to uphold that idea of freedom, um, then we have to either become open theists or Molinist. And we have to say, well, I don't believe what the Bible says about God. And that's the danger of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but we're, we are responsible and we will be judged for the intents of our heart and for the things that we did that God allowed us to do for whatever reason. Because those are all products of our will, but God, nothing happens with a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without our Lord. Amen? <laughs> if a bird falls dead on this road today, they did so because the Father was with it and the Father was working it. Uh for whatever was, and he's God and he is all wise and whatever reasons that are there he has for whatever happens, we're going to find when it's all over that it was good and it was for our good. Romans 8.28, right back to that. Again, he's working all things. Everything that comes to pass happens because God, because he's Lord. Even folks falling downstairs, right? <laughs> happens. All right, we got about 15 minutes before the second hour.